Well, I already got to uh, greet you briefly, but again, I'm so really, really grateful to be here. This has been, uh, of all the places that I've been, this has been my favorite church to preach, um, and, and so I'm really grateful for the chance to serve you this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we'll jump right into the Word. Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. And God, we pray you would speak to us from your word, Lord, that this wouldn't be a time where we just hear the opinions of a person, Lord, but that we would be able to hear from your word. We need truth from your word. So God, we pray you, you would speak to us, you would honor yourself, and we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. Turn it with me, Matthew chapter 6, verses 1 to 8. This is what Jesus says. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. That's God's word. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about what I'm calling reality show righteousness. Reality show righteousness. And one, one of the reasons I think it's a, it's a good thing for us to talk about on a morning like this, when we're celebrating things that the Lord has done, is that Jesus is going to give us a word about how we should think about the good things that we've done and just ways that our human nature finds to pervert things, even really good things that he's called us to do. Does that make sense? Um, so, so I just want to give you a little bit of background while I say reality show Righteousness In the early 2000s, um, something that happened, it was a, a, a new phenomenon on TV, a new kind of TV show that came up um, where networks were excited because um, they had an opportunity to have new TV shows without new TV scripts. Scripts cost a lot of money. It cost a lot of money to do that. So there was this new kind of TV show, a reality show. There was a huge hit, didn't need scripts. And uh, we know what a reality show is like. Producers put a bunch of people in a situation and then just kind of wait to see what happens. And they, you know, hope for drama. Drama is what they really want. And I don't know if you've ever seen a reality show, but there's plenty of drama. That's what they're built on. And so these reality shows really start to take off 15, 20 years later. There's a million different kinds of reality shows, some of which y'all watch every week that you wouldn't want people to know you watch every week. 
the Lord knows. And uh, in these reality shows, you see people doing all kinds of things. You got like talent shows, and you have people who are just doing regular things. Re- reality shows um, are, are everywhere. And, and one of the reasons we like those um, is because they play into things that we naturally really love, like drama. We love drama. That's all over reality shows. Another thing it plays into is our desire to be seen. We like to be seen by other people, right? And that was around before reality shows ever existed, but we love the eyes of other people on us. Um, Even with social media, uh, you know, sometimes we think we just like social media because it connects us with other people, which, sure, I'm sure that's part of it. But one of the reasons we love social media is because it is an opportunity for us to have a lot of eyes on us. It's like we all have our own poorly produced reality shows. I've seen some of y'all Instagram stories. Not very interesting, but it's an opportunity for people to watch you, right? We, we love to have eyes on us. And here's part of the danger. That desire to be seen by other people can make it into our spiritual lives. That desire for, for us to want to show people what we're doing, where well, we begin to do good things really so we can put on a show for other people. That's why I'm calling it reality show righteousness that Jesus is talking about. Because what happens when somebody's watching you do something? You change how you act. You don't do it how you would have done it otherwise. Just let you even just be and do, do something regular, like wash some dishes. And your friend just pulls out their iPhone and start recording. You start trying to, like, wash dishes cool and turn into a dance just because you know people are watching. But because what happens when somebody begins to watch you, you're not just thinking about getting the task done. You're also thinking about how can I do it in a way where I look good in front of other people. Um, so we love people watching us, but when we're doing something for others... It poisons the way that we go after that thing. We're too aware of being seen, right? The eyes of other people start to compete with the thing that we're trying to do, and it gets in the way. And so in the text that we read, Jesus speaks to his disciples about that exact thing. Um, Many of y'all know Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Jesus is preaching his most famous sermon, the Sermon on the Mount. Um, And in this sermon, Jesus talks about a lot of things. It's like uh, to be a follower of him, what a kingdom lifestyle looks like. He talks a lot about righteousness, too. And so he does talk about uh, what true righteousness is. He tells us a lot of the stuff that we should do. But Jesus doesn't just tell us what we should do. He also tells us how to do it, how to do it in a way that honors him. And, And here's why it matters, not just what we do, but how we do it, because Jesus wants more from us than just doing the right stuff. Jesus cares more than just what we do externally. He also wants it to come from the right heart. And if it doesn't come from the right heart, it doesn't produce the right result. So Jesus talks to them about um, uh, how we should do those things. uh, Because if we do good things for bad reasons, we're robbing ourselves of the good rewards. Um, And and that's at the heart of what Jesus is talking about. So I just want to tell you what the main point is that I think of this passage. It's my only point today. If applause is what you really want, then that's all you'll ever get. So when Jesus is thinking about doing things that honor him, good deeds, I think what he's getting at is if applause is what you really want, then that's all you'll ever get. That's what reality show righteousness is good at, getting praise from other people. But Jesus gives us a better way, so we'll we'll walk through the text and see that better way that he gives us. I want to read verse 1 again. It says this, be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. 
um, one of the things that strikes us when we read the Bible, when we read stuff Jesus says, is Jesus knows what we're like. Jesus knows that we're going to be tempted. Even when we're doing things for him that he's called us to do, he knows uh, towards doing it to be He tells us to be careful and tells us to watch out for it. Right? So, so he's saying be careful of acting like something didn't happen unless it's on Instagram. He knew we would He said, be careful of acting like something doesn't have any value unless you do it. In- we act like the eyes of other people is the only thing that can really give something value, which is false. Right? Verse 2, he, he warns us against doing good to be honored by others. Verse 5, he says, you know, he's warning us against doing good things to be seen by others, to be seen by them. Those five words, to be seen by them. Those five words sum up so much of our lives. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. That could be the answer for why we do a lot of strange things, good things, weird things that we do. How many of your worst decisions in your whole life could be summed up with those five words, to be seen by others? Why did you even go there in the first place, to be seen by others? Why were you even spending time with that dude, to be seen by others? Why were you acting so fake to be seen by others? Jesus knows the power that's going to have on us. And here's the thing I'm going to say. Being seen by others is not a bad thing in itself, but it is always bad as a main motivation for something. It's not wrong to be seen by others, but it's always bad as your main motivation for doing something, especially when we're talking about obedience to Jesus. Y'all follow what I'm saying? And, and here's some reasons why. First one is this, because uh, when we're doing things mainly to be seen by other people, what we're doing is robbing God of his glory. You're competing with God for something that, that only he deserves, right? Because the Bible calls us to do everything, even when we eat and drink to the glory of God. So something as simple as putting food in your mouth that you took a picture of on Instagram and drinking something is to be done to the glory of God, that, that, then that means everything we're doing It's so that he can be seen, not so that we can be seen. One thing that makes that clear to me in the text is the word he uses when he says he warns us about doing things to be honored by other people. That word there for honor is the same word, doxa, that's often used talking about the praise and adoration and glory that God deserves. So so we're literally trying to do things in order to get for ourselves something that belongs to God. We're still in his credit, and we love taking credit for stuff. Right, look, looking at things that God has given us and trying to take credit for it ourselves, um, it's, it's ridiculous. It, it would be kind of like if you and a friend were somewhere and, and a kid walked out into the road and your friend risked his life and dove in front of the car and saved the kid. And then the news camera showed up and you was like, let me tell you what happened. I saw it coming. As soon as the car drove up, I knew something bad was about to go down. My friend, he didn't want nothing to do with it. But I said, I'm going to put my life on the line. Now, wouldn't that be strange? You'd be like, wait, but you didn't even do anything. You, you just watched it. You were present. But, but you, you don't deserve this credit. You're stealing the credit from the one who deserves it. And this can be said of every good thing that's present in our lives. Where at the end of the day, the final credit and glory for things does not belong to us. It belongs. 
happens to God. And you could go down a list of everything in your life, from good deeds to just stuff that you have. Your job, you don't deserve the credit for that. God did that. You may have worked hard. The scripture makes clear, even those who work hard labor in vain if the Lord isn't at work. Right? You, you could talk about your family. You don't deserve the final credit for that. God did that. You could talk about this building that God has given this church. Y'all don't deserve the final credit for that. God did that. And so when we look at things, even good things, and we say, look at me. Let me pat myself on the back. We are stealing glory from God. We, we should not do things just to be seen by other people. But, but the main reason that Jesus gives for why we shouldn't do things to be seen by others is because it robs us of our true reward. Let's look at verse 2. He says, so when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. Do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. He he says, in the synagogues and on the streets. What what do those two things have in common? A synagogue is, you know, a public place where people come to worship God. The streets is a a place where a lot of people at. He's saying, don't be like the hypocrites who love to do good stuff in public places where it's a lot of people. And and the picture he paints is kind of like this. I want you to imagine that there's a a nice church-going man walking down the streets. He's just walking down RDA, and and he... sees a dude who's in need, and he, he seems like he's obviously in need because he's, he's asking for help, and his, his clothes are tattered, and, and the man thinks, man, maybe I should help him. And so he, he's about to walk up to him, and then he looks around and sees that nobody's looking. So he thinks, hmm, what should I do? And so he, he, he walks up to the man, and he reaches in his pocket, and he pulls out a trumpet. And then he whistles, and some friends come around the corner who also have instruments, a whole marching band of people. And they start playing to get everybody's attention. And everybody, of course, stops in their track because it's like, why is it a marching band? Just marching down the street in the middle of the day. And then when everybody's watching, then he's like, okay, I know this is the time for me to serve this man. And he makes sure the mic is on. He's like, I just want everybody, is this thing on? I just want to make sure everybody knows that I'm doing a good deed right now. Then he reaches in his other pocket and he gives him 50 cents. He feels wonderful about himself. This is the kind of picture Jesus paints of somebody who's happy to give to the needy as long as trumpets are played so that every, he's saying somebody who just makes a big show of everything that they do. And and this is a picture of somebody, the reason it will be called a hypocrite, because it's somebody who doesn't so much care about giving to the needy as much as looking like someone who would give to the needy. He's saying don't be like those kinds of people. So Jesus paints that hilarious picture. We don't want to fall into that same trap where we care more about looking like we're godly than actually doing what it takes to become godly. This is one of the main ways we end up in hypocrisy, is that we are so concerned with presenting a godly image that we forsake things that help us to be more godly. Like confessing our sin that would help us be more godly. We don't want to do that because it makes us look like we're not godly enough. And God is saying, look, if if we're worried mainly about being seen, we will start to compromise. And in case you are confused, I just want you to know God is not impressed by our elaborate shows of pseudo-righteousness. You may be able to trick other people. You cannot trick God. He knows. 
He's after something deeper than that. And so, so here's the result of that. He says this, truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. So in other words, he's saying whatever honor they got for that so-called good deed, I hope they enjoyed it because that's all they ever going to get for. I hope you like that. Because here's one thing we think. We think that if we get praise from other people, we think, oh, we get to add that to whatever reward we're going to get from God. Jesus is saying, no, 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 you're making a trade. You're saying, I would rather have praise from other people than praise from God because God does not reward those kind of good deeds. Jesus is saying, I hope you enjoyed that because it's all you'll ever have. So you may say, look, I don't even have a trumpet that can fit in my pocket. I'm good, Tripp. I've never even seen a trumpet that fits in a pocket. But one of the things that we do all the time, even if we don't whistle a marching band around the corner, is we try to draw a bunch of attention to our good deeds. I see this just on the internet sometimes where somebody will do the same thing but just have their phone. It's like, I saw this. Hey, what's up, everybody? Doing good? I saw this homeless man. What's your name? Don't worry about that. I saw this man right here. He has lots of needs, and I'm going to meet them now. See this all the time. Or maybe we don't do that and, and, and pull our phones out, but maybe we love to just replay our greatest hits of generosity for people. We're like, man, I saw a homeless dude today, and psh, let me tell you, the Lord spoke to me. You know, and I do this all the time. You know, one of the ways you can tell when we feel really good about something we did is when we, like, replay the whole conversation in detail. Because first he said, I need something. And then I was like, what kind of needs? And then, right up, and, and so he was like, needs? And I was like, needs. It was a little language barrier. But then as we talked, you know, he was scratching his head real funny. But I said, you know, don't worry about it. You know, we go into all this detail. I said, then he said, and then I said. And it's because we want to make sure we replay this for people to make sure they can see what we do because we want to draw attention to it. Um, and and um, Jesus is going to give us a better way, a way to give that doesn't require other people seeing it in order for it to matter. This is one of the things about social media is we feel like something ain't real. Your relationship ain't real unless it's on Facebook. Your food, you didn't eat no food unless it's on Facebook. You didn't go on a vacation unless it's on Facebook. You're like, man, I just got back from Hawaii. And people are like, no, you didn't, bro. You didn't post nothing for a week. It's like, because I was in Hawaii. Here's what Jesus says, verse 3. But when you give to the needy, Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So Jesus exaggerates a little bit to get to the point. He's saying, what if you're giving? Instead of making a big show, what if it was so secret that your left hand didn't even know that your right hand gave to the need? What if your left hand didn't even know that you picked up some groceries for your neighbor? What if your left hand didn't even know what your right hand dropped into the offering bucket? Would you be okay with that? Would it be enough? And of course, we can push this too far. We can act like Jesus is saying no one ever needs to see any of our good deeds. But that's not what he's saying because he's just said in chapter 5, he says, let our light shine before men so that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. But, but those two things are not contradicting each other. Jesus is not saying no one can ever see your good deeds and he's not saying someone has to see all your good deeds. He's saying you have to be content with obeying Jesus for the sake of obeying Jesus. You have to be content that even if nobody sees your good deeds, it's okay because it was for the glory of him and not you. And even when it is something that somebody sees, he makes clear, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and glorify our Father in heaven. The result of seeing your good deeds should be glory for God, not for you. And so if you do good deeds in a way that leads to glory for you, you're doing them wrong. Jesus calls us to something Bigger than that. Is it enough for us that God 
season, when you don't get pats on the back, when you don't get any likes on your posts, when you can't bring it up later in conversation. Sometimes that could feel like it robs us of some of the joy of, of, of giving, you know, that good feeling when you see, when, when somebody sees you do good, it feels nice. So we may think, well, wait, wait, if I give in secret, then who's going to know that I did it? And the answer is God will. He says, then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. God sees what is done in secret, and that should be enough. Our reward comes from God. He gives another example. So he's talked about giving. Next example, verse 5, he says this. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So in another area, Jesus brings up hypocrites. What are they doing this time? They're praying all loud and in public, um, making sure people see them. He says in the synagogues and in the streets, public places. And here's something that might surprise you from this text that he says that hypocrites love to pray. He says it. He says, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray. I I just want to remind you, if, if you didn't know this, Um, that you can love prayer and still not love God. You can love to pray just because you love yourself and you want others to love you as much as you love you. I want people to see how good I am at this, which is a whole nother level of self-centeredness. Well, we're so self-centered that um, we're even, when we're serving other people, it's really about us. That even when we talk to the God of the universe, we make that about us. And, you know, you can probably think of somebody, even now, um, who does this all the time, right? Some churchy person. You know, even as we think of talking about these hypocrites, you might just have somebody in mind. It could be like your grandmother, a family member, somebody in this room. Don't look at them. Um, you might have somebody in mind who's just like this, some churchy person who's real showy. You got that person in your mind? I want you to forget about them. Jesus is talking to you. Jesus is talking to you. We love to apply the words of Jesus to other people. I know somebody who needs to hear this. Jesus is talking to you. All of us are susceptible to this kind of hypocrisy. It slips in really easily. Um, So we should ask ourselves, look, um, how can I keep myself from from slipping in to that? One of the things that I want us to notice is, when we think hypocrite, we normally think somebody who just doesn't practice what they preach, somebody who doesn't live what they tell other people to live, and that is a hypocrite. Um, but there's another kind that Jesus is talking about. Sometimes a hypocrite is someone who lives what they preach, but for all the wrong reasons. Hypocrisy is not just about not doing what you say. It's also about how you do those things. So some of us may talk a good talk, and we come to church every week, and we serve in several ministries and still be a hypocrite. There's a huge difference between the posture of a hypocrite and just the posture of a disciple. Hypocrites just want to be seen. Disciples just want to be used. Hypocrites want status. Disciples just want to serve. Hypocrites love to put on a show. Disciples just want the Lord's work to get done. Hypocrites get satisfaction from applause. Uh, Disciples get satisfaction from Jesus. 
So whether or not the applause comes, it's good. So I want you to ask yourself this morning whether or not you have the posture of a hypocrite or a posture of a disciple. And I don't want you to think, if I'm a disciple of Jesus, that means I can never slip into hypocrisy. That's just not true. It slips in all the time. So we should ask ourselves, how can I keep myself from slipping into that? One way is something that I already mentioned is you should just tell on yourself sometimes. You should confess sin to people. The easiest way uh, to uh, try to make yourself look righteous before other people is by only letting people see your highlights and never letting them see any areas where you're broken, where we could just treat our whole life like our Instagram feed. Nobody posts the story where their kid cusses at them in the background like, not nah, posting that, delete. And we treat our whole life like that sometimes. We're like, the only thing I'm going to let people see is all the highlights. This is the easiest way to start to build up a fake uh, picture of who you are. And then what happens is you feel like, I want to do whatever I can to maintain that. So if I'm honest about this, this will pierce that picture of who they think I am. One of the easiest ways to help yourself not slip into hypocrisy is to be transparent. Make sure the people who know you know your flaws too. Right? Make sure you're not just telling people about the time you told somebody about the gospel, but also the time you felt led to and you didn't. Um, because we don't want to turn the church into a platform. You, you don't want Cornerstone to be your platform to pray good and to give good among other people. A stage for you to show how righteous you are. Instead, you want it to be a place where we all know the only righteousness we have comes from Jesus. And he produces it in us a little bit by bit. But we are all the messing it. So one of the ways to protect against it is just be honest and transparent. But if applause is what we're chasing, Jesus says, that's all we'll ever get. Again, he gives us a better way, verse 6. So instead of just praying all loud and in public, he says, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Some of us pray at church a lot, but we never pray when we're alone. And I want to encourage you to just build a habit of private prayer. Make a habit of being alone with God. This is one of the ways to work out your faith in a sincere way. Right? So you should still pray publicly when there's times to do that, but not only publicly. If you look at Jesus, he prayed publicly, but he also took time to get away from everybody and just spend time with God. Sometimes we love to spend time with God maybe only when we're learning stuff from his Bible. I want to encourage you, build a habit of prayer. Not just doing it. As Jesus says, go, go into your closet and do that. Of course, he's not saying that public prayer is wrong. Otherwise, he would have done that. Jesus did both. And it's hard sometimes to find time to pray when you just got a busy week. You got work, kids, schoolwork, whatever it might be. But I just want to encourage you, just find a little gaps of time. While you're getting ready, just pray. Ask God to give you grace. Right? While you're on the way to work, just praise God for giving you new mercies in the morning. Right? If we can find little gaps of time to pray. Because you don't have to just pray for a super long time. And some of y'all, some of y'all are like, can you tell John that? And we'll talk about that later. You don't have to pray for a long time. I've been holding back lots of jokes to John because he came at my neck at a tender moment. Uh, so just to give another example. There's a reality show called The Bachelorette that I'm sure none of you have ever watched. And on this show, you know, there's like 30 dudes who are all trying to marry this one girl. And, you know, they say their goal is to get married, but, you know, it's not the recommended way to meet a spouse. It's not how it's laid out in Song of Solomon, but they, 
you know, it's like 30 dudes, and 29 dudes go home with the same amount of wife they had when they got there, which is none. And at the end of that, if it was my friend, one of the things I might say is, um, you know, what you came home with was not a wife, but you, you did have a lot of eyes on you. And so I would say, look, I, I hope it was worth it because that's what you got out of that, because of the way that you pursued it. Somebody said, oh, I'm going after a wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And when we have the wrong motivations and go after it the wrong way in order to be seen, instead of the best way to achieve the goal, um, then we forfeited the real reward. We've wasted time we could have spent going after the real thing, going after the fake thing. Does that make sense? When we do things and we're like, I want to do it in a way where I can just be seen by a lot of people, we are trading the reward Jesus gives for the one that we want. But God has good lasting rewards, right? So somebody said, what are these rewards that God has that are so good? I think he's talking about eternal rewards from God. The Bible often is going to point us uh, to heaven, right, to, to eternity, to glory, to think about the rewards God is going to give us as motivation for doing what God has called us to do. It's not the only motivation, but the Bible all the time will say, do this because of what's coming. It even shows Jesus doing the same thing in Hebrews 12. Um, And it's not our only motivation, and God doesn't owe us any rewards, but he graciously gives them because he's kind. What exactly will those rewards look like, though, Tripp? You're saying the word reward. I don't think the Bible tells us exactly what they look like. Only that we will gain or lose rewards based on our faithfulness to Jesus. Um, And somebody may say, but if I don't know what the rewards are, how are they supposed to motivate me to, to obey Jesus? And here's one of the ways I think of it. Um, I have a son. His name is Q. Uh, when I first started taking him to the barbershop and I wanted him to sit still, um, you know, I said, hey, if you do a good job, I will give you a special treat. And his eyes lit up and he was excited. And I probably could have convinced him of anything that moment. I should have asked him to do my taxes. But he was so happy that he was like, I'll do whatever you want me to do while I'm in this chair. Now, let me tell you what he didn't do. He didn't say, oh, wait, wait. what kind of special treat are we talking about, Dad? We're talking about Starburst, Skittles, peppermints. I don't like peppermints. That's old people candy. You know, he didn't do that. Because Here's why. Because he's like, I know my dad. I know the kind of special treats he gives me. He gives me amazing. He's never given me something that I didn't want. So I trust off top, even if I don't know the exact specifics, that he's the kind of dad that gives good things. And, And in the same way, even if we don't know exactly what the rewards God gives us look like, we know that he's a good guy. We know that he gives good rewards. We know that he keeps his promises. And we know that if he said, what you're enduring now is worth the reward I'll give you, his word is trustworthy. So it motivates us because we know who he is. Do you trust God to give you good things? If so, God is promising us, look, what I have for you is way better than the claps and likes you'll get from other people around you. And one of the ways we know this is because God just has way more resources to give us too. Right? People are giving us this. God has the bag he's reaching in to pull the rewards out of it, you know, Your friends have a social media account, they can hit likes. God owns a cattle on a thousand hills. The earth is the Lord's and all this in it, right? God owns everything. Not only that, but the rewards we get from other people, right, they they won't last. But but there's a God who's always existed and always will, and his rewards won't run out. So it's not even a fair game comparing the rewards of the world to the rewards that God has promised us and will give us. A little bit more about prayer before Jesus is done. He says, and when you pray... Do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they'll be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask. Some of y'all talk way different when you pray. 
You're like, bruh, LeBron's jump shot is wet. I mean, he's killing it with the Lakers. It's time for prayer. Our Father in heaven, we beseech thee in the name of your omniscient, only begotten offspring. We are bewildered. You, you don't know how to spell bewildered. Stop saying it. You would never say that in real speech. And we may not be thinking, let me just use these big words right now, but what happens is we just feel like we have to go into a different mode where we pray good. And, and, he, and, and he's saying, look, you don't have to pray in some special way. When you pray, you're going before God. And one of the things the reason he says don't pray like the pagans who think they'll be heard for their many words. Um, pagans at the time felt like uh, the way they would get the deity's attention to make sure they were heard is they would say lots of words. And he's saying the real God of heaven and earth is not like that. You don't get his attention by saying lots of words. He's not impressed by your vocabulary or how long you can talk. He hears our prayers because he's gracious and he's committed himself to us. So you don't have to go into just long monologues in order to do that. Some of y'all small groups would go quick if people prayed fast. And the main reason Jesus gives uh, for why we don't have to say so many words is this. He says, your father knows what you need before you ask. He already knows what you need. So you don't have to give God all the background information, you can, but that's not how he knows what's going on. This is where prayer is different than asking anybody else for anything else. Usually you ask a person for something, you say, hey, here's what's going on, here's what I need, here's the situation. God already knows. Prayer is not an act of informing God. It's not education for him. It is an expression of our faith in him. Prayer is uh, doing what he called us to do and saying, God, I know you know what's going on and you've called me to bring this to you because you can do something about it. Will you do something about it? And for whatever reason, even though God already knows what we need, he delights to meet our needs in response to us asking him to meet our needs. Because he's a good father. And him already knowing what we need shouldn't make us not want to pray. It should make us want to pray. Right, that we don't have to go to him trying to convince him we're really in need. He already knows. Your, your marriage may be struggling. God already knows. You should take that to him. Your finances might be struggling. God already knows. Take that to him. You may be struggling in school. God already knows. Take that to him. He knows and he cares. But it doesn't have to be public. Just take it to him. Just take it to him. If applause is what we really want, then that's all we'll ever get. Um, last thing. I'll say is this, one of the reasons this is hard for us to do is because we really love approval from other people. And there's some, you know, seasons of our life where we might need it from particular people in our lives, but we just really love approval. And, and because of that, we have a kind of spiritual insecurity. Um, so, you know, it's almost like, you know, if we grow up and there's maybe a particular relationship, it could be our mom or our dad or a family, where we don't get the approval we feel like we need. And then we have this thing where we're always trying to find that approval from other people because we didn't get it in this particular area. And, and that's how we act when we're like, I got to do good deeds to get approval from other people because I'm not sure I already have it from God. I want you to know we don't have to have that spiritual insecurity because the approval we have from God is solid and it's in place. We don't have to wonder where do I go get approval because I don't have it from my heavenly father. You have it. Right. He's already given his approval. We don't have to prove we're righteous. The, the only righteousness that we have is from, from Jesus. And it is freeing not to have to live your life trying to prove you are righteous to other people. It is freeing. I mean, when people accuse you of stuff you didn't do, you can be like, I didn't do that. Move on with your life. 
You know how tiring it is to just be always performing? Y'all remember when Obama first got out of office, he looked stressed for eight years. He was out of office, he was on jet ski smiling. I was like, I forgot you even had teeth. You're so happy. And he, he was free. He wasn't under that public eye anymore. He's like, I'm jet skiing. Nobody picking apart what color my suit is. I'm good. And we can have that same kind of freedom where we don't have to live constantly feeling like I have to prove my righteousness to other people because your righteousness is from God and it's in Jesus. You don't have to beg for their approval. It's already been given to you in Jesus. We already have all the approval we need in our Father. And somebody might say, how do we have that approval if we're sinners like you say? Because uh, God seeing what's done in secret is freeing. Because we don't have to try to prove ourselves to other people. But it's also frightening because he sees everything that happens in secret. And so that might make us feel, but wait, but I'm such a mess. Doesn't mean he sees the bad things too. How could we ever expect to receive his approval? But, but I just want to say our approval is not, with God isn't based on our performance. Because maybe you read this, you think, I haven't been that generous. I want to say, but Jesus was that generous. Right? He became poor that we might become rich in him. Maybe you haven't prayed enough. Jesus has. He prayed all night and, and sweated sweat and blood and tears. Maybe you struggle with anger. I want you to know Jesus was patient enough on our behalf. Maybe you haven't been pure. Jesus was pure enough on our behalf. Maybe you haven't obeyed enough. Jesus gave enough obedience on our behalf. Maybe you haven't been righteous enough. Jesus was righteous enough on our behalf. And what happened at the cross was, was Jesus took our sin as if he lived our life, and he put all his righteousness into our account as if we had lived his. And I just want you to know that Jesus has already given all the approval we'll ever need. If you're in this room and you haven't trusted in Jesus, I want you to know the most freeing and the most necessary approval does not come from you getting your stuff together. It comes from what Jesus has already done for us. And that's available to you today. This is a reminder, Jesus, he's not saying don't do good deeds. He's not even saying hide your good deeds. He's saying if applause is what you really want, that's all you'll ever get. I'm, I'm blown away and encouraged by what the Lord has done in this church. All the good deeds. People talking about ways they've been encouraged and are encouraging. All the ways the pastors have served, what the Lord has done with this building. People who've met Jesus. But if we're doing this just for the opportunity to talk about it publicly, just for the chance to say, look what we've done, then Jesus says you're doing it for the wrong reason and you're going to get the wrong reward. But God calls us to continue to be faithful. The Lord wants to continue this work in this church, but not for your glory, not for the pastor's glory, for nobody's glory but his. Amen. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we come before you in Jesus' name. And we thank you, God, for approval in Jesus. We, we thank you for the fact that we deserve to be judged for our sins, but that Christ already took it for us. And, God, we pray you would help us to follow you, to be faithful to you, um, to do the things you've called us to do, not to be seen by others, God, but to show off who you are. And, God, we, we pray you'd be honored. Thank you for what you've done in the life of this church. We pray you continue to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.